This is Trinity Western University's Chapel Podcast, where our daily chapel gatherings are captured and shared for the TWU community. Whatever your day looks like today, we're glad you're tuning in. One quick note before I begin, Uh, the semester is ending. As you know, I am still pretty new, uh, but it's not just me in student ministries. We have Jared Crossley, who just was up here. Uh, We have Peter Wokel, who does like outreach and evangelism. We have Jennifer Graves, who oversees our discipleship and small groups. So any of us would love to chat with you, meet with you, be of any help any way that we can, even these last couple of weeks of the semester, our finals coming up. And, uh, and definitely into next semester. Does that sound all right? Okay, work with me, work with me, all right. Thank you, thank you, That two amens I got over there. So the text I have this morning is Mark chapter 13, will be in verses 32 through 37. Mark chapter 13, verses 32 through 37. This is what the text says. But about that day or hour, No one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's it's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. Verse 36, if he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So if you would, permit me to begin with a story. As a youngster, I sorrowfully deduced that grandpa was unfairly underappreciated by my grandma, who I I loved dearly. Easily, she was the prized grandparent for me on, on either side of the family tree. And yet, in between cooking wondrous feats from scratch, Y'all kind of young, so from scratch means like with no accoutrements of kind of modern stuff, you, you just make stuff. Uh, from scratch, my, my grandmother would make these meals and she would work on crossword puzzles. She would play spades and old maid and she would chew mouthfuls of gum. In between all of that, she always had a perpetual bone to pick with anyone at any time, any place who made the mistake of igniting her fury. You, you, you didn't mess with my grandma. Uh, But Grandpa was the usual culprit, which sometimes, unfortunately, led her to threaten him with a knife in hand, and at other times, she just would dole out a barrage of language so coarse and so powerfully agile that hardened sailors would have been wise to take cover. (laughs) In the the final years uh, before uh, he returned to dust, it was discovered, however, that, that Grandpa was far from innocent. Apparently, he'd maintained a lifelong appetite for selfishness of the highest degrees, 
that maimed his family at every conceivable turn, even with documentation and living testimonials before him, quite cognitive in his abilities, even into his 90s, he still could not come clean. Nurturing ungodly habits tends to do that to you, whatever the age. Dysfunctions find a resting place, and and right becomes wrong, and wrong becomes right, and and self-preservation becomes the carrot that is dangled in front of your life at all costs. Despite a heaping helping of substantial character flaws, you would have liked my grandpa. You would have gotten along with him. He was a likable guy that way. He was funny, gregarious, big smile, laid back, full of effortless, composed, older guy coolness. He had a fedora hat angled always to one side, always like just one side. He always had a cigar in his shirt front pocket, fresh lotto ticket in hand, and always holding a a knot full of cash with which he would bargain his movements around the unforgiving, brutal, concrete city blocks of the Bronx. Grandpa liked to watch movies, but the movies watched more of him than he did of them. Occasionally, charged with supervising my sister and I while the other adults were out when we were visiting my grandparents in New York, he he would start dozing. I mean, like deep, deep snoring, just for, for 10 minutes, 45 minutes, only to randomly awaken and, and then begin commenting, wrongly though he often was, about this movie as, as if he'd been awake all along. Responsibility, pay, paying attention to details, and the attuned patience of the whole process were, they just were not his strong suit. It might have taken me three years, I kid you not, to finally watch the entire 1960 Western action film, The Magnificent Seven. I highly recommend it. It is great. All of this was on account of my grandfather's intermittent interruptions. Whenever I changed the channel, since, I mean, he's sleep, he's sleep, he would would get startled and he would jump up and say, hey, 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 I, I, I was watching that. But he wasn't watching it. It was watching him. If you don't mind me saying, it it seems that Jesus is warning us about falling into a similar posture as my grandpa in this text. Watching for, for this or that is a trait of biblical conviction, a vital outcome that unites us across land and sea and generations. Those frequenting modernity's best upper-crust silk-stocking congregations or lofty cathedrals, Gothic cathedrals dripping with stone and stained glass and gold leaves were connected. There's networks of secret holy huddles in Afghanistan, in Eritrea, in in Iran, in in Yemen, in Burma, in North Korea. We're we're all connected. We're waiting. Mennonites in, in Abbotsford, Baptists in Texas, Pentecostals in Toronto, Wesleyans in Kentucky, the Salvation Army in East London, Anglicans in South Africa. Whosoever lifts high Jesus' name understands that waiting is par for the course, whether you like it or not. In part, 
and not at all in a docile silo. This is what Christians do. Before an imminent execution, Jesus asked his disciples to keep watch with him. In Deuteronomy, there's instructions to watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. To Christians in ancient Corinth, Paul wrote, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men and be strong. And to those in Rome, he warned to watch for those who cause divisions, who deceive people by smooth talk and flattery. I'm, I'm going somewhere. We, we watch even as God watches over us, pulling together the culmination of his final plan. Massive buildings will be turned to dust. Wars, earthquakes, and famine will persist. Families will implode as children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. But in and of themselves, these going-ons are, are not necessarily a big billboard announcing Jesus' return, so much as a simple, unfortunate, commonplace calamity representative of a broken world brimming with rebellion. These are the beginning of birth pains, we are informed. But make no mistake about it, the Antichrist is ever-present and on the ready, prowling to desecrate God's creation and God's created. From the Seleucid king of Palestine, Antiochus Epiphanes IV, to the Roman Empire and beyond, a cacophony of chaos will persist until Jesus intercepts evil once and for all and dispatches its deception, discriminating the elect from the unrepentant. The process, it will not be pretty. This synoptic account before us this morning was written to equip believers thousands of years ago to endure watching well, even as we today, their remnant, need the same counsel. So it was, in addressing the demise of routine, early, uh, earthly living as we, we know it, and, and highlighting a second advent, you could say, through this marking apocalyptic scene of sorts, Jesus employs the word watch a few times in Mark 13, verses 5 through 6. Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming I am he and will deceive many. And then in, in verse 34 and 37, when Jesus gets into this story about a man leaving his house under the care of his servants, and that's where we're going to land for a bit. Christ's followers are supposed to watch for his return. That much is clear. Although it's presented parabolically, the message appears unfettered and rather plain, and as such, it's, jar it's jarring to our vogue psyche, our modernist psyche. Watching of this kind of variety is dissimilar from watching your day-old pizza warm in the microwave. This watching is not the same as watching the cake that you bake rise in the oven. It is not the same as watching a hockey game on TV. It is not the same as people watching in the airport. 
We are, of course, put at ease with the aforementioned kind of watching, I know, but the watching Jesus expresses entails intentionality, discipline, and patience. Intentionality, discipline, and patience in preparing for his return, of which the day or the hour no one knows. Our marching orders are far from obscure. They're very clear. Be on guard. Be alert. If Jesus has saved you, then you have been told, verse 36, watch. God is the master who leaves his house in the text, and, and we, his devotees, his followers, are the servants that are endowed with responsibility in his absence. Again, there is no knowing when the homeowner will come back. Verse 35, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. I mean, as best as we can tell, the home itself in the story is symbolic of the church. The church, not the, the varied structures that we worship in, like the buildings, but the, the massive population of Jesus followers who compromise the universal church. When attempts are made to lull us to sleep, hoping to divide and conquer the people of God, we should be sober-minded enough to address it for what it is, because Jesus said in verse 6, many will come in my name, preaching claiming I am he and will deceive many. Persecution should not sway us because everyone will hate you because of me, Jesus said in verse 13, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. This proprietary advanced information has been given to increase our aptitude to watch well, to understand the times and to know what to do. In John, 1 John 4, verse 1, it teaches us, do not believe every spirit. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. If I may, part of what I think causes you and I, the church, to default on these obligatory utterances from God is a short attention span. I mean, at times, it isn't so much that we're totally apathetic toward managing our assigned tasks within this house, awaiting Christ's return, but, well, you know, I mean, there are games to play, like Resident Evil 2 maybe a little River City Girls or, or The Outer Worlds, maybe, you know, just a little bit The Devil May Cry 5 needs to be played. And, and of course, you know, I mean, well, our phones need to be checked every minute of every day because anything less would be uncivilized. And then, of course, well, you know, there's the new Lululemon leggings to buy, you know. Lululemon. Lululemon. Hey, see, I don't even got them, so... <laughs> Appreciate that. But you know, you know, there's the new leggings to buy. And, and this is the thing that kills me about this. You know, these new leggings to buy, and, and, and it's like, I got to get these new leggings. 
But the thing is, they ain't going to be that different than the, the older leggings that you got. The, the common denominator, guess what? Watch, watch. The common denominator is this. New leggings, old leggings, they're going to have one common thing in common. You ready? They, they're going to be tight. They're going to be like real tight. And I would argue they're going to be like hashtag stop wearing that tight stuff. But the whole, whole nother story, whole nother story. We let so much, the point is, occupy our attention. Like, like who is sitting next to Ellen DeGeneres at a football game or the condition of Kanye's spiritual life. So much occupies our attention. We, we like to sing. And, and so sing we do. We, we sing things like, I'm through, I'm through, I'm through. This, that hot girl, bum my anthem, turn it up and throw her attention. Hey, y'all, y'all, don't, y'all don't listen to that? Okay. I kid you not. There was, there was this brother in the car uh, a couple weeks ago, and he's like in his car, like just jamming, like he's just tuned out to the world on the highway, um, like not paying attention. And I wanted to like roll down my window and be like, brother, watch the road. Like watch, I know, it's a, I, know you, I know you got the song, watch the road. The point is, in all of this, more frequently, it, it comes at the expense of the warnings and the primary work that is given to us by God Almighty. And so in the aftermath from this kind of epic house party that we're having in our lives, we, we get lazy. And we get fatigued from either doing the wrong things or doing the right things in wrong ways. We, we get tired. And, and then we get sleepy. And like my grandpa, we're not watching life. Rather, life begins to watch us. And so we become victim to those who try to predict Christ's return. No matter that they keep failing about predicting his return since the day and the hour are unknown. We, we become groggy and we become gullible. We, we purchase late night miracle spring water and, and other forms of nonsense for, for five payments of 1999, not including shipping and handling. We, the church, are often sleeping on the job, is all I'm trying to say. We're often sleeping on the job. You and I, because we get so caught up in so much that honestly does not matter, we're sleeping on the job. Like my grandpa, we, we awaken suddenly and, and try to act like we've been attuned and attentive all the while when everybody, like even people who don't rock with Jesus, everybody knows the truth. It's called a dereliction of duty, this sleeping on the job. And so my, my admonition for you this morning, considering Mark 13, especially verses 32 through 37, is, is simply to prioritize the tasks before you, to do your part in watching over God's house full of God's people with the, the countercultural qualities of intentionality and discipline and patience. Survival does not afford you being neutral or passive about everything all the time because you want people to like you, because you want to have friends, because you don't, you don't want the conflict. And before someone misquotes me, let me be clear that taking this responsibility seriously does not mean that fun is outlawed. I mean, you know, I've never been the life of anybody's party. And, and odds are I probably never will be, and, and I've, I've learned to be okay with that uh, in my introversion. But I, but I do like to have 
fun, but, but majoring in fun and gulping the culture's Kool-Aid will not help you when Jesus returns. Maybe, maybe, I'm just, I'm just putting this before you, maybe we could stop trying so hard to be woke and we could be more proactive to never fall asleep in the first place. While you are guarding the church, being on alert for internal and external threats, do not neglect a steady diet of the truth. It's, it's good for you. It, it doesn't go down easy all the time, but it's, it's good nutritional value there for you. I would suggest that you eat the First Testament and the Second Testament, these 66 books that we know as the Bible. Like, gobble it up. It will teach you how to survive Surely, in times of plenty, but especially in times of deprivation and calamity and persecution and pestilence, which, if no one's told you, are sure to introduce themselves to you, that is, that is, until Jesus returns to press the hard reset button and wipe away our tears, that we will weep no more. Do not get caught sleeping on the job. You can go in peace. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that this message has challenged, encouraged, and inspired you as we continue learning and growing together in discipleship to Jesus. Every week, you'll find new chapel messages on our channel from local and international speakers ranging in diverse and engaging topics. So go ahead and subscribe for the latest of what's going on in chapel. Much love and happy listening.